So, um, it's quite a good video. I mean, you've, you've got to be careful. It's from the program they chose, and you've got to be careful because it is a dramatization. So, obviously, you can tell it's, it's not exactly all the biblical words, but I quite like it because it gives that impression um, of the excitement, you know, of, of the actual event. <clears throat> so, um, who's still working through the Christmas food? Anybody? No? You've didn't... Uh, no, no, the reading's in a minute, yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, I don't mean turkey sandwiches, well, hopefully not anyway. Um, but clearly nobody else is... We're still working through Christmas foods in our house. We've passed the turkey and ham pie stage. Um, we've gone via the mince pie and cheese zone, um, which is always a nice zone. And now we're battling our way bravely through Christmas cake and pickles. That's about, you know, anything which sort of lasts is, is left. So skirt, food certainly... Uh, wasn't scarce in our house uh, over that period. But of course, that isn't sadly always the case for everybody. Many people, you know, struggle to make ends meet, um, especially at the moment with the, the cost of living crisis. Um, it can be tough. So on that note, I'd just like to remind everybody about the Grub Tub, actually. It's just a good opportunity out the back of the church there. You know, anything that people can spare and put in the Grub Tub there, it'll be... Um, It'll be redistributed to, to people in need. Please do make use of that. You know, a little bit from everybody goes, goes a long way. Um, I'm sure we all remember what it was like during COVID, where we had sometimes bizarre shortages. Um, panic buying of store cupboard items, such as paracetamol, that was one that went to uh, bread flour, which everybody decided that they were going to learn to make bread. Um, and even though there was no actual shortages, and factories were more than capable of supplying the whole country many times over in most cases. They just couldn't deal with this short-term surge in demand as everyone bought two years' supply of toilet rolls for some bizarre reason. And there was actually an interview with the CEO of one of the big paper companies saying, you know, look, basically we've got, we've got enough capacity to make five times what you need, just not if you want to buy it all in the same weekend. Um, so today we're going to talk through Luke 9, 12 to 17, uh, the feeding of the multitudes, feeding of the 5,000, where we'll see that God's store cupboard never runs empty. Um, and we learn that God would love, would love a run on the bread of life. Um, so Jen is going to join and just read from Luke for us. Luke 9, verses 12 to 17. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So the the feeding of the five thousand is actually the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels other than the resurrection of Christ such as its, its importance, I guess. So it's written in Matthew 14, Mark 6, uh, John 6, and, and Luke 9. 
kind of some small differences in in the wording and the angle on it, but effectively it's you know it's the same story, of course. So earlier in Luke nine ten, uh, we hear that Jesus takes himself to Bethsaida. In Matthew, it simply says a solitary place, sometimes a remote place, um, and the reason for that was twofold. According to Luke and Matthew, it was that Jesus had just heard about the death of John the Baptist, who'd been beheaded, albeit begrudgingly, by Herod. Um, you can safely assume that Jesus would have been upset about John's death. Um, Jesus called John the greatest prophet, and uh, he was also a relative, of course. He was also his cousin, so he was, he was close to him. Um, and there's another sign of... of Jesus' humanity, even though he knew where John was going, you could say, well, you know, Jesus knew where John was going. He was a, you know, a, 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 a pious man, if you like, but he's still likely grieving at this point. Um, the Gospel of Mark also mentions the fact that the disciples are worn out. Jesus had recently sent them off two by two to go and preach to the, to the local area and given them the power to, um, power over impure spirits, so basically giving them the power to heal. Uh, so they just returned and were sharing the stories with Jesus. So, you, you know, you can imagine the excitement, can't you? Um, they'd basically been sent off to do these incredible deeds, and they were excited to come back and, and tell Jesus about them, but they were also shattered because they'd have got, you know, no, no rest whilst they were out and about. So they'd be bone-weary and emotionally drained. So Jesus suggested that they withdraw to a quiet place so they all might rest physically and, and mentally. Despite this, the crowds followed them, <clears throat> and Jesus continued to preach and minister to their needs. So in the time of his need, being physically, emotionally, and mentally worn out, um, he still put the people first. I wouldn't turn them away. So the NIV translation, Luke says simply, he welcomed them when the people all, when the crowds turned up. Um, Matthew uses the word compassion. And actually the word that that's translated from literally, pardon me, means entrails, viscera stirred up, which is a bit of a, it's quite an unusual saying, but that was quite common back in the day to describe compassion and even love. So Jesus wasn't angry. <clears throat> he wasn't, you know, he didn't take a big sigh, as I can imagine I might have done, like, oh, okay, no rest, you know. Um, he wasn't angry with people that followed him, quite the opposite. He was full of compassion for their needs. And after this leading, we get to the feeding of the multitudes, what we, what we generally call the feeding of the 5,000. And then we read, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. So the disciples were concerned for the welfare of the thousands who'd come to listen to Jesus preaching and suggested that they'd be sent away for food and to get some rest. Um, they've probably also been thinking, at, they may also probably also been thinking it's about time they had something to eat themselves because it is mentioned earlier on they've not had, they've been, had no rest themselves, they've had no time to eat. Um, so they're probably ready to eat and have a bit of rest themselves. Being late in the afternoon, they're probably thinking, if the crowds went away now, then, you know, they maybe wouldn't see them till tomorrow and they might have a, a bit of time to themselves. And they're probably also keen to share the stories with Jesus. Jesus had commanded them to go out and to, to preach and to heal. Um, and, 
you can imagine how excited they've been to come back and say, we did it, you know, we listened to you, we had, we had faith, and, and, you know, and it all, all worked out. It's, in, it's probably incredible stories. Um, so you can imagine their surprise when Jesus replied to them, you give them something to eat. It's quite a blunt reply, actually, the way it's written. So, and quite unusually blunt for Jesus, um, for the way it's, it's written in the Bible. It's quite an unusual demand. So not a gentle request. It's an instruction from their leader. You feed them. So you imagine them all just kind of looking at each other and saying, okay, how, how exactly is that going to happen? Um, they'd be especially surprised because they're in a remote place. So though they mentioned buying food, there was no nipping to the local Tesco Extra. Other convenience stores exist. Even if they had the necessary money, which they didn't. Um, in Mark, we read the disciples told him to feed the number of, to feed that number of people. They would take more than half a year's wages. And as we know, they didn't take money for anything. They went when when Jesus sent them out to preach to the, the locale. He said, "Don't take anything with you. Don't take any food. Just you know, you'll you'll be looked after. People will take you in and look after you." They didn't particularly carry money. So even though the disciples had seen people raised from the dead, water turned to wine, they didn't seem to expect that Jesus would do something special here. Perhaps he saw that it was, you know, maybe they were just too tired and they weren't thinking. Uh, maybe they didn't think it was a grand enough gesture somehow. You know, Jesus had been raising people from the dead. You know, maybe um, a bit of food, they didn't see it as, as important enough because people could just go away and get fed. So what's the, you know, what's the problem? So we then hear about the fact they've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Um, and in John, it actually records that the loaves and fishes were not owned by the disciples, as we heard. It was owned, owned by a young lad or a slave, um, maybe saved his meal for later in the day, or maybe hoping to slave to slave it, sorry, to, to sell it. But we don't actually know if they were given to the disciples or if they were sold. Um, we just know that they've, they've got these, this food. I like to think that having listened to the words of Jesus preaching that have been given freely, but we don't know. Um, what we can be fairly certain of is that the lads who gave the food, and certainly the disciples receiving the food, would have seen it as wholly inadequate. Um, but having given up what little he had, he then received far more in return from Jesus, from endless breaking and rebreaking of the bread that would have been received if he kept than would have been received if he kept it for himself. At the very least, he didn't go hungry and nobody else did because he trusted Jesus. So then we hear about 5,000 men were there and he had them sit down in groups of 50 to 100, depending which, which, you re- which part of the Bible you read. But in Luke, it says 50. And uh, whilst obviously we widely call it feeding the 5,000, as you heard in one of the videos before, earlier on, um, it was obviously far more than 5,000, it was 5,000 men. So we don't know how many were there in total, but with, with women and children, it would be far, far in excess of that. Um, and we read elsewhere that this was a, a grassy area, so they'd probably gone off to some probably unused grazing land. Yeah, So the people simply lay down where they were and clustered into groups. Um, and apparently the original translation would have been that they lay down, but when, when we translated it, we said sit down, because that's more, more normal for, for us to read, I suppose. Um, 
and that's why I quite like that video we showed at the beginning is it gives an idea of 5,000 plus people in one place. I mean, I think part of the miracle that is never, that's never talked about really is how they all heard Jesus. It's a huge crowd of people shuffling around, you know, bits of noise. So just the fact that he, he would sort of um, heard above, over the top of all that, that noise in itself is, is kind of a miracle, I always think. But I think that would just give you a feeling for, for what, would it be, what it must have been like that day, the energy in the place. And then, of course, we hear about the, the actual miracle that Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. Um, he looked up to heaven and gave thanks and broke them. So here he's literally behaving as the, the head of a family at mealtime. Um, to a degree, it's still common in many, many houses now. Um, but would have been normal that every head of the, the household gave thanks before a meal, before the meal started. And the breaking of the bread was widely accepted to be a sign that the meal had started. So symbolically, Jesus is welcoming everybody present into the Christian family, into his family. Um, and it also illustrates God's provision in, in the fact that we have the annual harvest that we benefit from. And I read somewhere, for every 10 grains of wheat sown in the ground, three to 400 grains are harvested. So it's kind of a, almost mimics what people in those days would have known as the realities of, of, of life. And uh, finally, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken feet pieces that were left over. So not only was everybody fed, um, they were fed until they could eat no more. The wording used actually similar to gorge, something like I felt after my Christmas dinner and through parts of January. Um, bear in mind that people following Jesus were likely poor, or certainly many of them would be poor. And they'd, they'd all walk, we know they'd all walk to find him rather than using boats themselves as, as Jesus did. So many would have been thrilled at the opportunity for a good, a good meal, free of charge as well, of course. But the fact that there were 12 baskets of food left over means we can safely assume that the baskets just kept on refilling. Uh, that Jesus kept putting food into them or they just stayed full. And everyone had enough. Each disciple was left with a basket still full. Um, in John, it's also recorded that Jesus said, gather up the fragments lest they be lost. So even though the food's just being generated from nothing, you know, you could almost say there's no value to the food in that sense. He's stressing the importance of, of not waste, not being wasteful, the importance of the food. Um, the, you know, he placed a, a value on not wasting it. So not unlike Jesus' healing miracles, uh, his feeding of the crowd shows his compassion for human beings and their needs, their most basic needs. Jesus cared for the people and their ordinary hunger and demonstrated loving hospitality. Uh, The reason for the day wasn't to create a story to be told in later years about creating food. Jesus would know it was coming up. We assume he knows everything. He knew everything. He knows everything. He's preaching and healing people. That was what people came to see. The food was born out of necessity and compassion. And it's become, of course, one of the best-known stories from the Bible, regardless of that. But like the healings, the miracle of the feeding also demonstrated the presence of the kingdom of God. It echoed the familiar story of God providing manna for the children of Israel as they journeyed through the wilderness in Exodus. Um, and it began to fulfill Old Testament prophecies 
uh, prophetic promises such as we find in Isaiah. In Isaiah we read, In Jerusalem the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet. So feeding the hungry is both an act of compassion and a demonstration of the presence of God's kingdom. It's also, as so often with Jesus' actions, a model for our own behaviour. Um, as we discussed earlier, we're called to share without reservation. So we're instructed to care for our fellow people, consider their needs and help to improve their situation. Um, that can be by giving money to charity, time to an organisation, time to listen to someone in need, use of your expertise or skills, and certainly by sharing our most important knowledge, the good news of the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus. So this is where the story ends in, in Luke. Um, there's no follow-on to what happens next. So in Mark and John, we do hear the disciples take the boat and Jesus takes himself away then to pray. The next passage in Luke is, is a bit of a... We don't really know how, how close in time it's linked, but this is where Jesus asks the disciples who he is and Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. So all of this is, kind of, is building um, to, to the understanding of who Jesus is. So what were we to take away from this incredible story? Firstly, Jesus was human in his own needs. He was, he was tired. He was in grief. But in spite of this, and more importantly, the fullness and generosity of Jesus Christ shines through. The stunning abundance of food mirrors Jesus' love for us. The fact that he'll continually fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is ask. One thing that hasn't really been mentioned yet, which is important, is the fact that as the day wore on, people no doubt got hungry, probably tired, may have had children with them. They were willing to stay. They were more than willing to stay. and They didn't want to leave. The day was getting late. They were in a remote location. And while some had likely brought food, it seems that was mostly gone, all gone at that point. But still they stayed. Because there was nothing more important than hearing what Jesus had to say to them. That was more important than going home to shelter, rest and food. In the same way, we also remember the, the young lad, the servant, who, were, who were, had given all he had, and in doing so, blessed everyone else in abundance, in, in attendance, and himself received back in abundance. So Jesus will treat us in the same way. If we give all we have to him, he'll reward us with a full life. So as we leave today, uh, let's challenge ourselves. Would we be as keen to go hungry if I carried talking through lunch? People might get a bit restless. Don't worry, I'm not going to. Um, but would we be as keen to go hungry and hear Jesus' words and, and see his actions? I'm sure, of course we would. <laughs> of course we would. But how can we share what we have with others? And most importantly, how can we share the most precious thing we have, the knowledge of Jesus' wondrous teachings? Amen. So we're just going to sing our next hymn, When I Survey.